Small business. Small business. On The Money Show. I love this. Why are you an entrepreneur? That's what we've been discussing tonight. Are you doing what you do because you're passionate about your product or service? And is that enough? It's not. And I'm reading, reading uh, Pavlo Vatidi's intro over here. It's not. 94% of businesses never get sold. They get started and not sold. Pav, why is that? Look, we, sh- we should be seriously concerned about that because there are a couple of things. Firstly, if you as an entrepreneur have a business and you build your business, Ray, that business for you ultimately is your pension. The sale of that business is what looks after you in the years after you have decided to move on from being an entrepreneur and running that business. So if 94% that get started don't get sold, the question is going to be firstly, why? And then secondly, how do we address it? The main reason I think that this happens is because many of us start our businesses driven by passion. And by passion, we believe that everything is possible. We can change the world. We are optimistic We move with emotion as the dominant force of energy that drives us in this business. But we always forget the true, true purpose. And that true purpose must be, Ray, to build that business into an asset of value. Okay, hold on. Pablo Vatidis, he's the director and CEO of the Oric Business Incubator. Do give us a call, 021-446-0567, because this is a very important topic. You hear of Mark Shuttleworth. All these guys, they have these lovely big businesses. They sell them and they make their billions and they go off and marry a, a, a movie superstar. But that's, you know, 94% don't. That's a problem. No, it's, it's absolutely terrifying. So there are a couple of things over here. When you build an asset of value, let's define what an asset of value is. So it's just an expression we're going to use. An asset of value is a business that of a day, should you choose to, you can sell for a premium. An asset of value is a business that would be exciting and interesting for a funder. So if you've got a growth strategy behind that business, a funder is going to look at it and say, well, I can easily enter into the business. I can exit out of the business. I will get a return. Yes, Ray, I'm interested in funding your business. Mm. An asset of value is a business that is an asset beyond you. And that's where we mostly fall short. People do because they don't look at – if you want to sell cell phones, you don't look at the end results of what you're going to be doing. Are you going to be picking it up? You pour a whole lot of money in and then nothing happens after that. And that's where people fall short. Well, you pour a whole lot of money in and mostly what you've gone and created is a job for yourself, excepting it's the worst possible job. Because if you get a job in a big corporate or in a big business, at the end of the month, you get your salary. In some of these big businesses, you don't even need to do much to get a salary at the end of the month. Mm. But as an entrepreneur, eh, you pay yourself last. You've got the receiver, you've got the stress of the business, you've got your staff, you've got the landlord. You've got electricity and lights, you name it. At the end of the day, you get paid last. So if you're going to do this, do it in such a way that you meet three things in the purpose behind what you do to build that job into an asset of value so that the asset stands apart from you. It's something that could be bought and sold independently of you and your action. Okay, hold that thought. Three things, coming back to it. Michael in Orange Grove, hi. Now you're trying to build a business, aren't you? Yeah, look, I've been building it for about six years now. Um, started off mostly in sort of furniture and, and related products to hospitality entities. Um, I've managed to pick up very 
good customers along the way. Um, and uh, I've taken it to the next level now where I've started a design department and development department as well. And uh, I'm sitting in the situation where I'm, you know, I've got a matric. Um, and uh, I feel sometimes like I get, I get a little bit overwhelmed and a bit lost. And where's the next? You know the sort of the, ne- the next direction. How do I implement the right systems? Um, you've worked so hard to put it together over a six, seven-year period, you know. And if the the systems in place aren't in, aren't in place correctly, and you you're not doing it correctly, you you risk it all being for nothing at the end of the day. Pav. Okay, so Michael, firstly, the fact that you've got a matric has got nothing to do with it. I, I work with entrepreneurs who are BCom, CAs, MBAs, ABCs, XYZs. They've got strings of degrees behind them. All that really a degree does is it gives you knowledge, but it doesn't give you know-how necessarily. Sure. So in many instances, if you start reading a couple of books, you'll start to get the same knowledge over a period of time. But here's the thing. In terms of taking a business to the next level, those words are often used so loosely. You know, what does the next level really mean? And the one thing about a business is that you start a business, it gets into its early stage of development, it then gets into a growth stage, it then gets into a prime stage, eventually it becomes mature, and if you don't reinvent it, it starts to decline. So the next level in, in that language means that you're growing through the business development life cycle. And what you did in the past is not going to be the same as to what you're required to do in the future to make sure you step up to that next stage. So in my view, every single entrepreneur that I've worked with that has had success, Michael, I can promise you one thing. They've never done it on their own. When you work with somebody, a trusted partner, rather than a friend, rather than a family member, but someone who's got experience in business that you can trust, that you feel comfortable with to have a discussion with on some kind of basis, they give you that third eye, that objective third-party view. And often in that conversation, the insights that you're looking for, the little trigger that you need to keep that business sustained on the level that you've built it to, starts becoming easier and easier. To stay alone in building a business is not a good idea. Not. No, not a good idea. You know, often entrepreneurs talk about the loneliness, right? Mm-hmm. And there really is. And loneliness comes about. An entrepreneur can speak to his or her spouse only so far and only up to such a level. You can talk to friends and family. But eventually, as you start sauntering over to them at the braai, they're saying, oh, boy, okay. Ray's going to talk about his issues again. Harry comes with his business problems. Yeah, no, very much so. Mm. Sometimes you need to find somebody outside of the network, someone who has a different history to you, a different sense to you, a different view, a different purview, mm. altogether from you, and establish a relationship either professionally or socially, however it might be, rather do it professionally. Because in yeah. my view, then you're getting a completely different perspective. Excellent. Number set I'll 0214460567, I would like to hear from you. We've got the professor here tonight in the uh, I must admit, you're actually quite right. Building it on your own is not a good idea. It's that excitement when you guys are doing well. It's the good times and the hard times. But I suppose it also puts a massive strain on a friendship as well, doesn't it? Well, it depends what kind of friendship it is. You know, we've spoken often about business partnerships. So the way that people initially establish a partnership it's often for a first-time entrepreneur maybe even a second-time entrepreneur because incidentally ray it's normally the third business that works right Mm -hmm. in that first and second time you're often going to work with someone who you 
trust or someone who you like or someone who agrees with the way that you see things. And very often, that's going to be a close friend. Okay. That's not necessarily the right seed for that relationship you need a little or partnership. Bit of, a little bit of criticism as yeah. well, though. You need the trust mm. without a doubt. But ideally, you want to find someone who's got a different personality with a different set of skills. In a good partnership, there are two sides to a business. There's the front side where you have someone who's going to go and promote and actively generate business. And then you've got the back side. <laughs> that wasn't meant to sound. <laughs> so you've got the back side, right? Okay. The side of delivery where you've got to deliver on the promises made by mm. the front side of that business. And if the partnership is such that you've got people who can sit comfortably in either of those domains, that makes for really as corny as it sounds, one plus one equals three. Yeah. Talking to Pablo Fatidis, Director and CEO of the Auric Business Incubator, 94% of businesses that get started never get sold. And that's the big problem. That's what we are talking about tonight. Let's go to uh, Alex in Cape Town. Hi, Alex. Hi, good evening. Mm, go for uh, it. I'm calling with regard to the, the, the first comment that passion is the first thing that drives you. And I'm an entrepreneur now, and I'm uh, uh, six years into it. And um, the main reason why I decided to do my own thing wasn't because of passion at all. It was actually because of employment, you know. I actually couldn't find work. In a, and, I, and, and I'm, just, I'm an engineer. I'm an industrial engineer. And I just couldn't find work that was, you know, that was with a suitable salary. So while I was working, I decided, hold on, let me just uh, look around. And I spoke to some friends. And they were in IT. And I had no knowledge of IT whatsoever. And they all told me, listen here, this is where the market is going. There is a massive demand in this sector and in that sector. And I went home and I thought about it and I sat down. Is, am I, uh, back then I was 32. And um, I, thought, I thought about it, okay, fine, let me just give it a try. So I went online, downloaded the course material, and I actually started going through all of it. And once I was actually getting the feel of it, then I approached the friends on weekends and I said, hey, can you just explain this to me, explain that to me? And then all of a sudden, the ball started rolling. And then for the first year, it was, uh, like you said, you know, can you, you know, can you live without a salary? But for the first, I'd say, six months to a year, I actually didn't earn a salary whatsoever. And only after four years that I actually started making it. But anyway, my, my point was that um, passion came later. But the first step was employment. Because if someone had come to me in those first three months and said, he has a, he has a, he has a cushy position, he has a nice job, with pension, with medical aid, with uh, you know, allowances and what have you, I would have taken it. You know, I would have taken it. But the fact of the matter was that at the time, I just couldn't find anything available to me. And I, I just like to point that out to uh, Paulo. Okay, you see, that's, that is quite an important thing as well because a lot of people are looking for employment. But, you know, you, you, I suppose you get two types, don't you, Pav? I mean, you, you get... Do. You do. The one type who really wants to do their own business because, wow, I've got this thing and I want to make money. And then you've got Alex, on the other hand, who, well, you know, I need employment. Yeah, well, look, as you say, there are two types of entrepreneurs. The first is opportunity-driven entrepreneurship. That's someone who's not looking for a job, not looking for alternatives, has identified an opportunity. They're passionate about it. They want to make it happen. And nothing's going to stand in their way. And that might make up in the South African context and especially – Globally today, in the last maybe four or five years since the recession hit the world, that probably makes up 30, 30, 40% of all entrepreneurship. The rest are people like Alex who out of necessity had to start a business. 
But here's the thing, Alex. Necessity is a really important driver. In fact, if you build a business out of necessity, the habits you develop around it are going to be superb habits for when the economy does turn. The thing is, the deeper you dig in whatever you're doing, it sounds so corny, but the more you're going to dig it. And that's the nature (laughs) of things. You know, I've watched people, for example, double in woodwork. And as they do more and more in woodwork, all of a sudden, they develop an absolute excitement and passion for woodwork. The more you unpack something, the more you study it, the more you get into it, the more you take ownership of it, the more it becomes part of you, by sheer by sheer consequence, the greater your passion becomes for it. And passion for an entrepreneur is no different to the fuel in the fuel the fuel in your car. The number of no's, Alex, you had would not be yeses today if it weren't for the fact that you had necessity and now that necessity has been replaced by passion. But both of them are very, very important drivers in, in succeeding in business. Alex, I hope that helps you. Uh, sure, yeah. I can give you some stats. In the beginning, I got nine no's for every one yes. Well, that that's a very, very good response rate. Normally, it sits at around one in 30. Huh? <laughs> one, in 30 no. one in 30, my friend. <laughs> also, uh, another point I wanted to bring out about you can't do it alone. That is 100% correct. I mean... You need to pick the right person to help you. You really need to sit down with that person. You need to, you know, put your cards on the table and say, listen, this is the scenario I'm in. Can you help me? All I need from you is two hours on a Saturday morning or a Saturday afternoon and just to explain something to me. Explain how this works, how that works. And I found the right person. And um, without him, I I wouldn't be here today, without a doubt. It's one of those... Actually, I think it's one of the most uh, critical things. You have to find at least one person with the knowledge, the experience, and he knows people, the resource. Mm. If you can find that one person, and, I, and everybody, we, I mean, South Africans are very social. We know a lot of people. We, we have a lot of friends. We have a lot of work colleagues. If you look hard enough, you'll find that person. Okay, Alex, Alex, we don't have to leave it there. I'm afraid we're running out of time. Alex and Kate, somebody, you know, he actually does drive home quite a few good points. Have a partner, have somebody with you. Vincent in Pretoria, let's go to you quickly. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, go for it. I started a business last year, March. And in, 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 the, in the year of trading from March this year, we did 2 million rand turnover, me and eight guys. And we've managed to close so many orders now that are going to make us a lot of money. But the problem is to find finance. And when you're such a young business, you can't get finance. Mm, you see, that's a huge problem, Vincent. I'm just going to leave it there. It's a bit of a bad line. It is a big problem. He's right. Where do you get your finance from? Well, you know, there, there are a couple of places, Vince, where you can start. I don't know what the business is, so I can't comment much on that. But for a business that you started in March, the eight of you involved, you've already done two million rands worth of turnover. The orders are pouring in. Man, that sounds like a fundable proposition to me, depending on what the business is and depending on what the margins are. So here's the thing. In the very beginning, you got to fund using banks. It's called your personal credit card. And when you start a business or thinking of starting a business, especially if you're employed, get one, two, maybe three credit cards. And most entrepreneurs that I work with, when they started their businesses, they simply rolled the credit cards. The second area that you're going to look to is can you draw down on a bond? It depends how far your bond has gone. But there's not going to be any official channel of finance that will be made available. Once you've exhausted all of that, that's called bootstrapping. 
Hopefully you've developed some relationships and a track record to prove that the business works with some customers who are buying frequently from you. And if you've developed those relationships, you've got to go to friends, family, and fools, right? <laughs> I like that, in Often. fools. But we don't have any formal channels for finance in early-stage businesses in South Africa. We're still very, very early in that funding mm. knowledge stage. Good grief. Interesting. So we could do this for hours. Yeah, we certainly could. And as far as I'm concerned, it's the most important topic in South African radio today. Mm. Because well, entrepreneurs will save the world. Yes, they will. Give on jobs as well. There we go. Political parties listening tonight. Pablo Fatidis, Director and CEO of the Orica Business Incubator. Lovely to, to, to uh, chat to you once again.